You're listening to The Pete and Sebastian Show on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. This is The Pete and Sebastian Show with Pete Corielli and Sebastian Maniscalco. Peter, Sebastian, this is James' assistant, Todd, from Massachusetts. Our schedules have been hectic, so James asked me to leave his message, and I apologize up front for any phrasing and vulgarity, but I was instructed to ask, excuse me, how fucking gullible and naive are you two Cinderella's? I mean, between Biscuit's L.A. witch doctor convincing him he has crooked ribs, and Petey's small-town hack doctor, who is probably only two credits past being a veterinarian, telling him he has deep hip pockets, that is some other-level type bullshit. Listen, trust me, the only thing that is going to get healthier if you continue to see these frauds is their bank accounts. So, save your money, pop some Advil, and get on with your lives like gentlemen. You're better than that. Later. Sebastian show baby we're here we're live what's up out of the gate we gotta ask for the update what are we getting for an update with the casting of the Sebastian Maniscalco NBC sitcom I feel like I literally have like a like a job you know as a comedian you don't feel like you have like a job I mean you do and you don't this is you know, this casting, I got to go in, it starts at 10 o'clock and uh, goes till 5, 5.30 sometimes. And, uh, you know, it's like uh, I'm, uh, I'm in morning traffic now. Something very new to me, man. Somewhere to be in the morning. Yeah, it's amazing. You ever see how many women do their lipstick at red lights? It's a real uh, problem. It's a real problem. Very, very much so. And... Uh, I've been having a ball with it, but, uh, you know, these are long days, and not that I'm complaining, don't get me wrong, I'm just saying, last night, yesterday, Jesus, it was, uh, I went to go see the Tim Allen show, it's Last Man Standing, it's uh, filming on the same uh, studio lot that we have our show, and they set it up where uh, I just wanted to go and kind of see how it all works, and be on the stage and get the feeling of, you know, what a sitcom looks like up close and personal. And uh, Tim Allen was very, very gracious. We, uh, we hung out for about an hour afterwards and kind of picked his brain about, uh, you know, how does one transition from stand-up comedy to the, uh, the sitcom stage? And he had some great advice. So... I, uh, that's so cool, man. That's, uh, it's been, it's been really eye opening for me. I mean, today we did a a meeting, we had a casting between 10 and one o'clock and then we had a meeting with the set design people and it's, it's really, really an unbelievable process to see your vision kind of come to life. Uh, you know, the kitchen, the living room, my father's salon, uh, the hotel that I'm going to be working at in the show, and they're building this from from nothing. And it's like, you know, sometimes you got to look down on the page and see, is this is this my pilot? Yeah, I know, right? I can't. It's got to be kind of surreal, man. Yeah, and Lana came in with me today because she's kind of my creative uh, hand and all this. She. You know, picked out the vibe board and and what the, the inspiration would be for you know furniture in our house. We're gonna hang Lana's artwork in the living room of the home, so we'll have her paintings. It'll, it will be a part of it. So yeah, it's uh, it's really really cool. But there's just a lot of moving parts going on right now, and 
it's been uh, it's been fun, exciting, nerve wracking, all emotions wrapped up into one, man. I mean, I'm going to acting, uh, uh, coaching, just so I have all the lines down. My thing's the lines, man. I I'm not one of these people, and I don't know how you operate. I get like a piece of material, and I gotta sit with the damn thing for you know good. You know, if I have an audition, I, two three days, I I can't like look at something and go, yeah, no, nah, I got it. Let's run with it. It's your show. You can forget the fucking line. <laughs> That's the beauty. Yeah, no, I'm I'm uh, I'm very very um, I'm I'm honed in on the script, and I, I want to basically know it back forth upside down, so I don't even have to think about it. So I'm in that process. We're shooting April fourth through the twelfth, so I have more than enough time to really really dive into this. Plus, I'm. Uh, I'm meeting the acting coach right after this, and we're getting involved with the with the the whole the whole thing. So I yes. feel like I'm going to be more than ready, and I'm going to have to be considering, a, you know, who who they're they're casting here. I can't really tell you again who's playing what, but I think we found a pretty good Lana today. We still have uh, a lot more sessions to go, but uh, the girl I read with today, I felt embodied Lana. Um, in, in a pr pretty pretty good way, I was I was very very uh, pleased with what she did. So nice. uh, see see the key is the key is you want to surround yourselves with such good actors. Like I would say, if I have my own show, I want the actors around me to be so good that when they go home at night to their wives and husbands, they go, I can't believe he gets the most money. It's fucking bullshit. I'm, I'm carrying that show. That's how good I need them to be, man. So you can learn. Every comic who's ever had a sitcom, it's amazing how they're fine when they start, but by the end of season two, they're like, great, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a learning curve. So it is good to have that that talent around you to kind of help you along as you kind of get your footing. But uh, yeah, man, it's uh, it's fun. We it's just crazy how much goes on to get a sitcom off the ground. How many people are involved and how many pieces are moving at once and it's it's crazy it's a, it's a great education for me just to kind of see this other side of the business and how it operates and, yeah. and how, how it is uh the machine that it is and uh, sorry if i feel a little large lethargic or or uh uh i'm just tired man <laughs> hey so how, how, has it been interesting watching the audition process seeing how different people audition how they go yeah. about it you know, being on the other side of the camera and watching people come in and how they set up and how they kind of uh, do that small talk and everybody's kind of, it's, it's, it's an awkward, it's just an awkward thing to do, come in and read in front of six or seven strangers with a camera and then walk out. It's, it's not knowing if it was good, bad, ugly, whatever. And then you gotta go to your car and that, that walk is, is, a, is a long walk regardless of how good you, you did or how bad you th thought you did. It's just, uh, I'm learning so much just watching it that I almost can't wait till I audition for something so I could do what I think uh, should be done. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. You're getting to see firsthand how it's done so you know what to and to not do, right? Yeah, yeah. I just you know what works, you know what doesn't. I mean, everybody's an individual. They got their own thing and how they kind of warm up the room. But I've always been a guy. I come in, I say hello. I'm very polite. I put my head down. I I do the material, then I walk out. I'm not the guy that walks in and goes, "Hey, how's pilot season for you guys, huh?" Yeah, no way. That's just not <laughs> that's not my style. And it, it works for some people. Generally, it, it people can see right through it. But um, and, yeah, it's just, I'm, I'm never it's in, I'm never in front of the most important person either. So even if I'm nice to the casting director, are they gonna go? His audition kind of sucked, but oh, what a sweetheart! Oh, you should yeah. think about it's, hiring him. No, it's like whoever does the best is gonna get it, man. You don't know how fast it happens. Like when you, as soon as you walk out of that room, you know there's people going nah, yeah, or you know it, it's. It happens quick, and it doesn't have to be even 
how you read because that, that how this process works is we see everybody we put, put people on tape and at the end of the day we talk amongst ourselves to determine who we're going to see on tape so not necessarily everybody that comes into the room is going to be seen on the tape at night by everybody because sometimes you you might miss something in the audition that you hadn't seen or you want to see what they look like on camera so unbeknownst to me I thought when you walk when you walked in and you got on tape, I thought somebody else was seeing the tape. Oh, you thought automatically? Yeah, I just thought, okay, you know, somebody's going to see this other than the casting director. But sometimes the casting director will determine whether or not that that you even get to go on the tape to show the producers. Oh, dude, you didn't know that. When I do those on tape in the past, when I used to be younger and had no right being in the room, there would be like two scenes, let's say. And the first scene, I I tape it, and then they go, okay, let's do the second scene. And in my head, I'm I'm literally going, are they even hitting record? Because I know, I'm just, right now, I know, like based on the first scene, they're like, we don't even need to do the second one. We're just doing this not to embarrass me. But oh, you know what? I I think the opposite. I think when they go, could you try the second scene? I'm thinking that's it. I got it. They they want me to do more. <laughs> no, but it's amazing. The littlest things, like you could finish and they go, how tall are you? And you tell them the height, and then when you leave, you're going, why would they ask me unless they want to know what I would be like compared to the lead? I mean, it's obvious that's what's going down. Oh, by the way, let's set the record straight for you kind people. That, uh, there's been people out there wishing me good luck and saying how great I'd be as a part of your sitcom. I read Sebastian's sitcom. It's hilarious. But let's be honest. I got a better chance of getting cast on uh, the remake of Roots than I do on that thing. There's no part for me. All right? And that's fine. And I wish you the best. <laughs> well, I, I, I did ask. Uh, they said that you were going to send in some, some type of tape for Kev. Did they not get a hold of you yet? For who? Oh, no, I didn't send that. No one asked me to do that because I read the physical description of the guy. I know, but believe me, we're seeing all different types for that. You'll be getting a call soon. Well, you know, I just, you know, I mean, based on you and then whoever gets cast as your dad, it's like, you know, how much Italian, what is this, an Olive Garden commercial? Hey, why not? (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, man, I can't believe how soon you cast. I mean, you uh, tape. That's, That's great, man. That doesn't give you too much time to get too... You know, overthinking things, just go rehearse, boom. Yeah. Welcome to Embarrassing Grammar, the online course that teaches you to learn from the mistakes of others. Welcome to class. Today we will be learning how to mispronounce simple words. Here are some audio clips you can learn from. This is Pete Corelli. Great comedian. Not so great with the grammar. That's how you get your best, strongest, real cup of coffee. Jackie's telling me this Nacesso machine, like you're saying. No, uh, wait, wait, wait. wait this, you, Nespresso, wait, come on. What'd you, what'd you call it? What'd you this, call it, though? I said Nacesso. Nacesso. Another one, uh, Lou. Pete meant to say espresso. He's getting better, but first, it gets worse. Christina Aguilera. Pete meant to say Christina Aguilera. She's a genie in a bottle, baby. Great job. It was brilliant. And he's got the little, what do you call them, the memes with the hand claps. And then he says something like, um, it's, a, it's a meme, by the way. Meme? Oh, it's a meme. Yeah. Right. Uh, Lou, that's another one for the books. <laughs> Holy Christ, I could listen to him say May May all day day. Like Pete said to Mark Marin, he's a prisoner of the accent. Everyone put on your berets and let's enjoy Pete trying to speak French again. Wee oui, wee. Oui. It's so, it's right up there with the sommeliers with the wine, man. It gets so oh, intense man. and so specific. This probably the worst pronunciation I've ever heard of sommelier. <laughs> sommelier. I thought wow. it was like chandelier with some instead of shan. Oh God, Lou, let's uh, let's earmark this and uh, give him the correct pronunciation of sommelier. Yeah, sommelier. Oh wow. Well, that's like when you were in comedians and cause, and you say bestiality, and he goes, "I don't know if that's the right usage of bestiality." I'm like, "Holy shit!" If I was in that car, he'd get a speeding ticket. He'd get a ticket from correcting me so much, not watching the road. 
Oh, is, that, oh. is that what we're doing? I, I mean, know. we're correcting the usage of words? Yes, that's exactly what we are doing. Also correcting pronunciation. With love, of course. But you should know better than to try and speak French. That never works out for you, Pete. It's got a boudet. Need I say more? A boudet? A boudet, man, for the ladies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when you got a boudet, I mean, you know, case closed. You said it so bad that I can't even remember how to correctly say it. <laughs> it's a boudet. I thought it was a boudet. A boudet. <laughs> Class dismissed. My funny Valentine, sweet comic Valentine. How was your Valentine's Day? Do you even celebrate it now that you have a kid? How does that work for you? No, I never really celebrated it. It's the most ridiculous holiday of all time, man. I get a no call. candy, no nothing. You you exchange nothing. Uh, I usually say to Jackie a couple days before Valentine's, I'm like, I don't have anything, and she's like, Neither do I, guy. So then I just give her a card. And it's always the, I just try to find the cheapest card, man. I mean, cards today, they want seven bucks and shit? Come on. Wait, now, do you write anything personal in the card? Are you that guy? Or do you get a card that kind of says what you do? At this point in the marriage, is it just a blank card that says, Pete? I mean, what is it? <laughs> no, it's always a little something. It's always a little something, man. Well, are you writing in the card? Every card, absolutely. And do you feel like... I feel like when you open up a card and it's a blank card, that you have to almost fill the entire space. Do you feel that? Absolutely. You can't, you can't just write. I mean, my parents will just send a birthday card and write, love mom and dad, but there's cash. So, you know, whatever. That's different. But for the most part, yeah, you got to fill that area. So do you think the, the cash element in the card makes up for the card just saying hey merry christmas or happy birthday if you put cash in the card you don't even have to sign the fucking thing <laughs> you could just seal it and send it i mean that's how much it overcomes everything when i open up a card even at this point in my life and a check or cash slides out uh, i get as excited as you do when you have a package i just get so excited even if it's a 20 i'm like look at that well I don't know if we talked about this before, but when you do get a card, a birthday card or a Christmas card, and whoever gave you the card is in the room, do you automatically assume that there is something in the card, be it a gift certificate or cash, and are you ready for something to fall out so it doesn't fall out? You know, it's weird if it fell out and it came on the floor. And other people, you're around mixed company, and everybody goes, only gave him a 20? Right, right, yeah. So do you, do you kind of grasp the card in a way where nothing falls out of it? No, usually when I get a family card, it's usually got, like you said, one of those you know, Home Depot or something in it, so you just kind of hold it up. I don't, I don't announce. Do you announce how much it is? It's like, has anyone ever said, what is it? How much for? No, 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 no. It's always, hey, you got a gift certificate. or. But are you ever surprised or shocked? Not that you're expecting it, but if you open up a card and nothing falls out and there's just a little saying there, and, I, and I'm sure each, each instance is an individual um, situation, but uh, do you ever go, nothing? What do you mean, with no cash? Well, nothing falls out. Yeah, I got I got this aunt. I love her. She's probably my favorite aunt of all time and my uncle. And every year they do the right thing and send me a birthday card. And I'm so grateful for it, but there's never anything in it. And I know that when I when it comes, I'm like, oh, here's that card with nothing in it. <laughs> I'm supposed to be grateful for the card. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Is the card, I know they thought of you. It's a nice thought, the happy birthday piece there. It's a nice thought, but to me, if you're going to go through the trouble to send the card, stick something in there. I know. Something. It's always, I don't care what it is, it's always a surprise when you open it and it just slides out and you're like, oh, look at that, nice, $10 gift card. I, I, I just feel like cards are made. 
to have something put in them other than words. I know. I agree. Cash? What do you think? You got me cash? Well, that's right. You can go out and get yourself whatever you want. No good? Are you my uncle? How is that Albany? Was that some cold? You haven't used to that since Chicago oh, days. Listen. I went from 90 degrees. It's been unseasonably warm here in the uh, Southern California area. 90 degrees when I left, and when I landed, it was zero. We went from a we went 90 degree swing, which will literally send the bo the body in shock. Uh, I don't know how you're doing it up there, man. I would I would be packing my bags. I know, man. Well, the snow is what gets the most annoying. It's like every damn day, it's starting to wear me out. But I was up, uh, I was up at uh, Levity Live over this weekend, so it was a little warmer. It was at least four, and it's going good. I want to thank everyone again. Dude, I had three sold out shows, man. We're getting it going. I thank you all for coming. I had a great time, man. Yeah, Atlantic City was great. Albany was great. Just very, very cold. And uh, tomorrow we're off to Hawaii. Who? Oh. Uh, Lana and I got a corporate gig in uh, Maui. Do some, uh, I'm gonna try surfing. I've never tried surfing, so we got a surf lesson and uh, we're gonna do some uh, water activities while we're out there in uh, Maui, relax a little bit and uh, kick back before we snap it, snap it back into the uh, to the TV show. Yeah, your life is so fucking boring. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Maui and beaches, if you see this, this really just disappointed me. I got no way to go. Actually, let's go into an Italian take. Let's loosen the show up. What do you say? D DJ Lou, give us some Italian take music, please. I put some together, as you people know, with two Italians, comedians, and uh, I put together some interesting pieces of news, I find, and we give our take. Right out of the gate, bro, let's start with this one. Sort of thing in the news recently, there was a big powwow among our military somewhere, and long story short, one of our generals, man, fainted at the meeting, indoors in an office or whatever, and a female, for lack of, look, I'm going to be a chick, caught him. Caught him. And she, you know, she's in the military, but she's like the treasury. She's not even a shoulder, uh, a soldier. But my point is, uh, a man fainted. And uh, I guess the Italian take is here to you. When a man faints, does that make him seem or come across a little weaker in your eyes as a man present to a faint? Well, let me start it off by asking, have you ever fainted? <sighs> of course not. Me neither. I thought this guy's cool, bro. <laughs> <laughs> My brother, one time, we were at a party, a Gotham Christmas party, and it just kind of got on the way. He wasn't wasted or anything yet. And he's like 6'4". He fainted, and I caught him as he was fainting, so I broke his fall. But he lightly fell back, and his whole second half, his back area, fell on the back legs of Colin Quinn. And Quinn turned around, and he's like, what's up? I'm like, my brother fainted. And I was just new in the comedy. To this day, me and Quinn will bring up from time to time. Remember your brother fucking fainted on my fucking legs? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I don't faint. Do you? I mean... I, I, I just think it's a certain type that faints. I, I don't know anybody that... I've never been around anybody who, like, fainted. I, I don't mean, even know if I hang, hang out with anybody who faints. Because on a regular basis. we have an awareness, an uncanny awareness of our body as a machine, like a race car driver knows a machine. Sometimes I'll go to get up and I'm a little lightheaded, maybe at the subway. But I casually get back down. Nobody knows what's going on. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'll avoid, if I feel I'm going to, and maybe, I mean, I don't even think I thought I might faint, but I mean, nevertheless. So yeah, like well, if, if you're a general and you faint, I mean, like, you're getting demoted, guy. I mean, how do well, I know you're not going to faint in the fucking foxhole? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that, could be, that could be a medical issue. However, and we've talked about this in the past, and this is maybe where it comes into play uh, for you, is you said you could fight off, like, illness just by willing it, right? No, well, like we, that's don't, my, we don't do that here. That's my method. I mean, knock wood. I don't know if it's working, but that's what I 
I say, like, my knee was really fucked up, and I just started shaking, and I'm like, work that shit out, figure it out, guy, because we don't do this. We don't do fucked up knees. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Don't you think you could, you, you feel a faint coming on, and the Pete mind uh, medicine kicks in, and just says, we don't do this. We don't faint. Sit back down, collect yourself. Absolutely. Then get up. And move on. I, listen, man, I've had, you ever have too much to drink? It's happened to me a couple times in my life where you lay in bed and you actually get the spins. Have you ever gotten them? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've gotten them as an adult. I'm in bed in New York City where I live there. And as I start spinning, I literally said to myself, what are you, fucking high school girl drinking wine cooler? Stop spinning. <laughs> and I just stopped it. I made myself stop because I knew it was ridiculous. <laughs> fucking bouncy that is Ooh, I'm spinning would you have peach snaps get it together i'm all tongue-in-cheek here folks i'm all tongue-in-cheek fucking around but uh no i never fainted and so i think you're answering my question right there like if you were doing your show and you one of your co-stars you know during rehearsal fainted you, you'd go back to the line and like, <laughs> recast recast the role the guy just passed up. <laughs> and then what do you what do you do do you go do you, do you get him a wet washcloth or something I don't even know what to do I think uh, if a man faints when he comes to he owes everybody around him an apology <laughs> <laughs> because I think it's scarier for the people around uh, someone who faints than the guy who's actually, or the woman who's actually fainting. Because now everybody goes into a panic mode. Did he have a heart attack? What's going on? Is this a seizure? Everybody else is freaking out. And then they pop up. And if you don't acknowledge that you just fainted and caused everybody some heartache, I, you're right. I, 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 you owe an apology. And you're, you're nailing it on the head because the bounce back, my brother, when he fainted, I have hour later, we're at another bar, I all shits and giggles laughing, cause I, and I'm like, oh, I'm glad you're laughing now, we had to leave, we carried you out, it was so embarrassing, I have so much explaining to do, there's a lot more to it. You know, it's really no dissimilar than if you're like an epileptic, when you're out with people, you should be like, I'm an epileptic, so if, if something starts going down, don't freak out, I'm not choking on my chicken. Yeah, you would have to give them some sort of warning that, hey, you know, I faint every once in a while, if I do... Here's the protocol. DJ Lou faints all the time. He thought you should know. If you see him go down, do nothing. Just walk away laughing. Yeah, and this is, the listen, this is only man. Women, I understand. You got other different things going on with your body. I'm, I'm not holding you accountable for a faint. Yeah, absolutely. All right. All right, this next one, I hate to go political, but a couple weeks ago we didn't touch on it. I don't know if you saw Trump said the word pussy. No, no, I didn't, I didn't hear this. All right, in a nutshell, he was talking about, I think, Ted Cruz, but one of the other politicians not not willing to waterboard. How do you not love this? Trump goes, I'll do more than waterboard. I'll do everything. I'll do whatever it takes. <laughs> he goes, waterboarding's back on the table. I said, we'll use Mexican tap water, too. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, he uh, uh, he goes, someone yells something in the crowd, and he goes, what's that? And then you can't hear what the person yells, but you can hear them yelling. He goes, what's that again? And he goes, oh, and I'm paraphrasing, but he says something like, not, not, she used the word, I can't, no, I, I can't use that word, I can't, I'm, all right, well, all right, she said he's a pussy. She said he's a pussy. I didn't say, she said, I would, I would never say that word. I only said she, you know, and then as the clip goes. Uh, but the fact is, you know, you're saying it because you said it. And uh, I tried to joke about that on stage the other day. And yeah. I, I had a tough time saying the word pussy just once to explain what happened. And my question here is, uh, Italian take, can we truly have a president that, like, in his during his campaign, you said the word pussy? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, fuck, dude, this is getting scary, man. <laughs> This is getting scary. I mean, I don't know. I'm not saying I'm not into Trump or what uh, or what's going on, but I mean, it's is like is it presidential? Probably not. Right? But this guy from the get-go has been unapologetic about his behavior, his conduct. So this is what to expect from from a man like this. And and 
He just, uh, there's no filter. It's almost like my grandfather used to be. My grandfather had no filter. He just said what the hell was on his mind. And I got to tell you, it's refreshing. Not that I particularly care for the use of derogatory language, especially when kids might be watching or what have you. But, I mean, this ain't the 80s anymore where all of a sudden, no, I mean, really, you know, PG-13, R, any of this stuff, dude. Do parents even care anymore? They can't keep up the fight, man. I mean, no matter what, it's just all around you, left and right. Yeah, it's a losing battle. If it, if you try and control the television, they're on the internet. If it, that they that uh, goes awry, they go on the phone, then the iPad. This is like a nine different devices where they could pick up all this stuff. I'm just saying, if this guy does win and they start putting up walls. Are people going to go, oh, my God, this is, like, really happening? Or are they going to be, like, hey, you know, I don't know. I, I will say this, folks, who are worried about the walls. We're going to grow ivy on them and stuff. They're not no. going to be unattractive. Yeah, they're going to be really uh, a, be a beautiful structure. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, you ever go down the Merritt Parkway in New York? They got the walls. The ivy's growing down. You don't even know there are walls there. <laughs> you heard the other night at debate. They asked Ted Cruz, serious question, well, what do you think of waterboarding? Is it okay? And honestly, I thought he'd say absolutely, and he didn't. He said, well, it's, you know, he's concerned about the answer because some people, she just said a terrible thing. You know what she said? Shout it out because I don't want to. <laughs> okay, you're not allowed to say, and I never expect to hear that from you again. She said, I never expect to hear that from you again. She said he's a pussy. That's terrible. Big news going on with the Rio Olympics. The Olympics going on this summer in Rio. I don't know if you're aware of this. There's a, a new uh, mosquito killing people called the Zika. All right, it starts out, gives you a rash and pink eye and a fever, and it's uh, you know it can cause birth defects. And some Olympians are thinking about not going. If you were in the Olympics coming up, 2016 Rio Olympics, would you drop out? Because of the Zika, or would you just risk that shit? Mm, good question. Uh, if I trained four years, uh, you bet damn well be, I, I'd be I'd be doing the hurdles wearing a mask. <laughs> yeah, just wearing a whole netting over your whole self, right? <laughs> I tell you what, man, I'd be loading up with off every two seconds. <laughs> Depends what I'm doing too. Like if I'm in a javelin, I'd be like, like if I had a kid, I'd be like, it's just a javelin guy. You're gonna risk yourself mosquito death for a fucking javelin. Yeah, so it depends on what you're in the Olympics for. Yeah. If it's something major, you you wrap your head up in some type of uh, netting, and, yeah. and you and you go play the game. But you know, if you're doing something as uh, as the javelin you just you, you take a knee and, and stay home i agree i mean it's a, it's i don't know too dude what are the odds right and mosquito but, i'm going i'm going i'm going i don't understand this whole zika thing oh, with the with the mosquitoes now 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 zika is in the mosquitoes right now i don't know how the hell mosquitoes reproduce i think from uh from the elementary school it's larva. They they lay eggs in a body of water, I believe, right? Yeah. So, and this might sound a little cheesy, but do you think when the Zika infects a mosquito and that mosquito has baby mosquitoes that their heads are small? Why? A mosquito's head gets small and it has Zika? No, that the baby... If you're a human being, oh, it causes birth defects in, yeah, in us that makes our head small. Yeah, and, and and the side effect is if you have and you're carrying the Zika and you're pregnant, yeah. your baby comes out and it's got a small head. My question is, I don't understand when these mosquitoes or insects that carry the virus, do they have the same effects as it does on humans? That's, I mean, why aren't the mosquitoes dying from the damn thing? I'm actually looking at my reflection in the computer screen. I think my mother had Zika when I was born. <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. My head is disproportionate, bro. It's not that. <laughs> we grew up in a lot of marshy area on Long Island. I'm not surprised. Fuck. 
Is it a noticeable head shrinkage where if you're in school, they go, oh, the kid's mom had the Zeke? No, no, no. Yeah, it's it's bad. It's like it's very, very prominent that the, that the kid comes out with, uh, unfortunately, comes out with a very, very tiny head. So that's why I like people aren't going to Mexico. They're not going to South America where this stuff is very prevalent. So, yeah, that's a big thing, man. And it's just like, again, it brings up the question is like these third world countries that have these these diseases – and, you know, who's to say somebody's not getting on an airplane and coming to the United States and spreading Zika? That's it, man. The walls go up. Zika stays out. <laughs> Fucking Zika-proof, man. I tell you. I mean, I don't even mind that Trump's tan, like, he has uh, raccoon eyes because he lays in a fucking bed or something like that and covers his eyes. It's ridiculous. It's really yeah, he's He's got to work on that. I'd go with a, maybe a spray tan or maybe a... Uh, uh, some type of sunless tanning uh, towel or something. Get get out of the beds, man. This ain't the 80s. By the way, speaking of sun tanning beds, do you know my father's salon uh, in the 80s, early 80s, it was called Luigi and Salvo Hair Studio. Their claim to fame was they had the first tanning bed ever in the Chicagoland area. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. Oh God! Basically, tanning started in my dad's salon in Chicago. Oh, I love it! You go in there, you get a nice cut. We clean you up. You lay down, you get a tan, you walk out like a million dollars. Oh, that's hilarious! Oh man! Italian take. I'm. Uh, I got a. I think I got a problem with the Pope lately. I'll start right there. Oh, what's the problem? He's got this guy. All right. Uh, the second thing he did, which I'll mention first, is uh, he said that Trump is not Christian because anyone who would put up walls isn't Christian. And uh, I'm saying I've been to the Vatican guy. You've got some pretty <laughs> fucking high walls yourself there. <laughs> uh, am I lying or am I lying? There's no oh, sneaking no, I, in there I'll, at night. I'll, I'll back that up. That thing's surrounded by walls. It's a city within a city. What is this guy talking about? Yeah, don't even get involved in our politics, all right? Just keep blessing and walk away. Bless and walk. Bless and walk. And here's the other thing, all right? He's in Mexico, and this is the Italian take. He's meeting the people, the Pope. Kids are getting hopped up. And I can't see who it is. I think it was an adult, but you can't make out who it is. But everyone's shaking his hand, and he's in a crowd. And someone grabs him and pulls him. And, po and the Pope starts to lose his balance. And in front of him is a boy in a wheelchair. No one was hurt or crushed, but he slightly put his chest into the boy's wheelchair. And when, he, when his hand was free from the guy, he looked at the guy or whoever it was. And in, in Spanish, he yelled at him twice, like, da-da-da, da-da-da. And whatever he yelled in Spanish, it means, don't be selfish, don't be selfish. Now, here's my Italian take. If that was your kid... And he was just a little excited. Maybe he grabbed the Pope a little too hard. And the Pope yelled at your kid and said, don't be selfish. Do you think you'd tell the Pope, relax, guy? Or do you, uh, or do you think you'd never yell at the Pope for yelling at your kid no matter what? No, I'd actually, I'd actually be on the Pope's side on that. I mean, if the Pope is disciplining your kid, your kid needs some disciplining. Listen, it was, I think, an adult that was grabbing him. So I'm making it a kid instead of an adult. It was very crowded. It was bedlam. I mean, if I was a kid and Larry Bird was in the crowd or even Derek Jeter is an adult, I can't promise I wouldn't talk to the guy and try to bring him closer to me. Uh, no, I don't operate that way. Oh, uh, right. No, listen, I look at it the same way as I look at, at fainting. I don't do that stuff. I'm never the guy that hits something over and something breaks or something. I, I never cause any type of mishap. You know, that would never be me. I would never grab the Pope and bring him closer to me. That's not my style. If you were 10 and Michael Jackson was in a crowd in front of you and he was shaking everyone's hand and you reached in at 10 and you grabbed Michael's hand, you wouldn't maybe give it... Just a slight extra tug towards you a little. Just a little, like, a hold it a brief second longer. Because that's all it I've takes to knock the Pope off his balance. Well, I'll tell you what. I've actually played this out on my head when I was a kid of how Michael Jackson and myself were going to meet. And uh, you got to take yourself back to about 1984. Pepsi commercial starring Alfonso from uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Remember him? Uh-huh. 
and when he was doing the moonwalk and then he gets tapped on the shoulder and he turns around and Michael Jackson's there. Mm -hmm. That's how I felt I was going to meet Michael Jackson. He'd come up to me. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't see me going up to him, grabbing his glove. I felt like he'd tap me and go, kid, you want to dance? And, and, and it would just be happening in the streets of uh, New York City for some reason. I don't know. Hey! Well, that's a magical thought, man. But I got to be honest, if you had a kid, and I'm not just saying because I have one, I think if the Pope yelled at your kid, you'd be like, Well, I could see you yelling at the Pope, absolutely. I could see you yelling at the Pope, Sadie, whatever, you know, maybe pulls on his robe a little too hard. He looks down, he says something to her. And Behave yourself, young lady. I yeah, mean, and I, like, I totally see you coming from the back going, hey, guy, guy, hey, it's my kid. You yeah. want to relax a little bit? And then you're taken off by uh, Pope police. Oh, but yeah, you do the blessing. I'll do the disciplining. How about that, guy? <laughs> All right? Getting a little too big for your britches, man. I'll tell you that much right now. Let's not forget, you want to vote. You want to vote. That's not lost on me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, I was gonna do an Italian take on uh, how many how many uh, pets should be allowed in the White House when you're the president. And I went online checking out uh, the various animals they've had through the years. Yeah, Jesus. I mean, uh, Lyndon B. John. One of them had sheep Roman. They had pictures of sheep Roman. Herbert Hoover had two alligators that roamed the White House lawn. Wow, I think that's that's uh, that's a cool pet to have walking around the White House. Just a couple of alligators munching on some uh, snakes outside. That's Mike Tyson estate right there. That's what you got going on. Oh yeah, one of uh, yeah, but there's got to be a limit. I would think that it, it, it's not a zoo, you know. I mean, I think a oh, limit man. of two animals, right? Yeah, you'd be surprised. I mean, even Kennedy had six dogs and a horse. Uh, Roosevelt had a Teddy Roosevelt had a donkey, a raccoon, a flying squirrel. Some of them had snakes. Clinton and uh, one of them, but Clinton had cats. Nasty. Ooh, yeah, no, that's... that's disgusting. Ripping up the poultry and shit in the fucking Oval Office, unacceptable. I, I never got the whole multiple dog thing. Yeah, I know. What other people say to keep company? I'm like, what do you think? They're playing cards when you go to work? They're just <laughs> staring at each other. Two dummies. <laughs> no, I hear you, man. I almost got another one to keep mine company. But like, I, you know, what are they, like I'm saying, you know? I'm surprised you haven't gotten a dog yet after, uh, I'm sorry, what the hell is your dog's name? Um, Ruby, no problem, man. After Ruby, Ruby. Nah, we got, it's too much traveling, man. They came with me this, this past week on the road, so we can't with the dog. It would be too much. They came to you at, at Levity Live. Did you take a drive down there? Yeah, we took a drive. Jackie's got a really close friend. Oh, which leads me to something. She's got one of her best friends um, lives nearby Levity Live. Big, beautiful house in Connecticut with two young kids. So Jackie goes with Sadie to spend the night there. Has a wonderful time. At one point, Sadie's taking a bath, and my wife's friend, our friend, has a son about the same age as Sadie. He hops in the bathtub with Sadie. They're both in there playing around naked. Oh, whoa. And, and then, dude, oh, yeah, whoa, two and three, and then, and then they have an older daughter who's like a few years older, and she hops in. But she wears her bathing suit because she's older and she's like just wants to go in for the fun, but she's older than them. So then the boys gets out first and they took a bunch of pictures. And I bring all that up because Jackie's got this really cute picture of Sadie and the girl in the tub. Like I said, the girl's older in a bathing suit, Sadie's naked, and you could see everything if you know what I'm saying. But it was. Well, did you say there was a boy in the tub too? Yeah, but in this particular photo, he's now out of the tub. But yeah, okay. he was. But he was in there naked too with Sadie playing. I've seen photos of them all in there playing, having. A and he's three. Yeah, he's about three. Oh God, I, uh, I got a problem with this. Do you? No. What do you think the kid gets out and he's smoking a Marlboro after that? <laughs> no, again, this goes back to like three years old. Not not related. No. Yeah, this this is not good, man. Really. A three-year-old boy playing naked with a two-year-old in a tub, yeah. and then and then it's a vir and then another older. It's like a virtual threesome. 
<laughs> Dude, you're out of your mind. Come on, people right now listening to the show are shaking their head going, what the hell is he doing? What do you think got little rubber toys in there and they're splashing the water and they're kicking and they're blowing bubbles? I mean, come I on. don't know. There's got to be a point where, I mean, and I don't know. Don't get me wrong. I don't have kids. I don't know how fast kids pick up on things. But, I mean, I just think the kid, three years old, is I, Sadie shouldn't be looking at a dick at this age. Oh, come on. I don't even think she's giving it a second thought. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I don't know. Does she does she look at him and then look at her and wonder? Or, you know, this is young, man. I, this is like, uh, this could be polluting the, uh, the young young mind. I, I think it's the opposite. I think it's letting her as she gets older, like, not wonder what's down there. She's been around. She knows, you know, I mean... She's, she's seen some things. <laughs> I know that would that would suggest that maybe she wants to see it again sometime. I don't know. As a father, you'd have to have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with that. I thought it was adorable. And then on top of that, she sends me the photo. I'm at the club, and she sends me the photo of Sadie naked with a girl in a bathing suit. And she also sends it to her mom. And the reason I bring it up to you, which I think I got my answer, my my mother-in-law was very upset that we would send that out and that we took a photo of that. And Jackie's like... That's it! But Jackie's like, go. I only showed it to you and Pete. It's already off the phone. It's just a cute photo. And I'm like, I hear you. What are you going to do? You're going you're gonna to make your kid freaking... He's going to be a, a, afraid to show you. Listen, remember on one of our earlier casts when we talked about the gym and you would say how, you know, even in the locker room you do the quick... You, mm -hmm. you, you put the towel over your like, underwear like, you know, like... Yeah. Respect. Like, respect. No, no. as we said, it was like the chicken uh, point break when she changes by the car yeah. after she surfs. Yeah. That's because you you were never in a tub with a girl when you were three, bro. And it's not just about girl, guy. I know like you're into chicks and all that. I'm just saying it's about being a little more comfortable, a little more. You can get a little hippie in you, bro. There's nothing wrong with taking your clothes off when you're a kid and... I mean, would you, yeah. I don't know. We didn't. We didn't live this naked lifestyle. It's not a naked lifestyle. It's a tub with another kid. I mean, I remember doing it when I was a kid, splashing around. I mean, when I played, when you, I, you said you were taking baths with your father, or uh, I took showers with my father yeah, once in a while. The fuck is that? A, not as an adult, man. How about this? Do you have a problem with this? Like when I was played sports, especially I remember in ninth grade. When we play sports, we had the big showers, and after practice, all the guys would all go in there, and we'd be naked, and we'd use a piece of soap and kick it around. Yeah, no, we. Uh, I didn't grow up that way. What did you, like? Did you when you played soccer? What'd you do when the rest of the team took a team shower? Didn't take team showers. Everybody went home like normal kids and showered in their privacy in their own house. Well, you they got, you kick, got on a bus, a circle, and kick a soap around. What do you think? Watt goes home with his shoulder pads on. They all get in the shower. What a game. Oh, hey, fucking, we got to them. Yeah. Uh, no, I just, uh, I never got into those community showers. I like a nice private shower. You go in, you wash your body, how you know how to wash it, and then you, you come out with a towel on. There's none of this shit where you're uh, you're sitting there with your dick hanging out. You're talking to another grown man as he's scrubbing his asshole. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're like Jack Nicholson in, in uh, uh, yeah. as good as it gets when the door opens and there's steam and he comes out already fully dressed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that's me, man. That's that's me. We I had public shower once when I was at the. Uh, we used to go on camp as elementary school students. I think it was fifth grade. We got sent away on a weekend to Camp Potawatomi or something like that. And everybody had cabins and we showered together. It was the first time I had a shower with boys in, in the same room. How old were you? How old were you? This was fifth grade. All right. Fifth grade. So one kid, his name was Eugene. He came into the shower and I was naked in there. Everybody was naked. This guy came in in a T-shirt and his underwear, and he showered in his T-shirt and underwear because he was, like, embarrassed. Yeah, that's terrible. And, uh, and uh, I just remember that, like, yeah, I, I was there, but I, I wasn't, I, it wasn't comfortable for me to do that. I, I know most guys just, uh, they don't care, but for me, a shower to me is a private occasion. No, listen, I'm not comfortable with it, and... A man hasn't seen me naked in many years, except for the quick in the locker room for a quick second, just to show I'm not afraid to like take my time. However, 
growing up, I mean, it's just the way it is. And my question to you is, do you think that uh, the pro athletes, do you think they have, do they do group showers or do they have individual stalls these days? I would have to think <laughs> of a shower. Uh, they're, they're not, they don't have individual. Uh, we'll ask Watt. We'll text Watt on this. But I would assume it's a one large shower room and they're, they're in there, they're showering, they come out. And it's not like a health club's environment. That's wild. Can you imagine, man, just like the level of fame some of these guys have? And you're outside the stall waiting for Tom Brady to finish taking a shower. Fucking lean in there, take two photos without looking, sell that <laughs> shit for 150 grand. <laughs> More than the salary that they're making. Hell yeah. If I knew I was going to get cut, I, why wouldn't I fucking take two photos of J.J. Uh, Watt stalk naked? <laughs> <laughs> And just tuck it away, and then when I get cut, go, well, there's my retirement right there. <laughs> Bro, I, I bet they probably keep them on just because of that. I'd get the whole fucking team. If I was on the Yankees, oh God, I'd, have a, I'd have a calendar. <laughs> Jesus, you better watch it back next time I sleep over your joint. That'll be my collection. I know right now Jimmy from Boston's gone, I can't believe I thought I fucking heard it all. You want to take photos of people's junk, pretty? <laughs> no, I don't. Oh, God. Hello, everyone. This is DJ Lou. I just want to let you know that Pete actually asked me to take that last line out. Here's his email he sent me. Lou, these are the edits. At some point, I talk about taking photos of men showering in the locker room. Parentheses, long story. But at one point, I imply... I'd take a photo of Sebastian the next time I crashed at his place. Take that line out, Lou. Way too gay, in capital letters. Not bouncy, gay. <laughs> he also asked me to take this next part out, but I'm gonna put it back in. Listen to what this guy gives his niece and nephew for Valentine's Day. Speaking of his cash, uh, I got a niece and nephew, brother and sister they are, and they are like about, I don't know, 12 and 14 maybe, and Valentine's Day just passed, and ever since they were kids, every holiday, we send from Valentine's to Halloween, Jackie sends big bags of candy and gifts and all sorts of, so now they're a little older and stuff, and we got these other kids we're dealing with, plus our own, she sends them both the Valentine card, <clears throat> and I said, okay, that's fine at the time, because it's all I had, a, you know, she didn't have change. I was like, yeah, that's fine, but I regret it. We only put a fiver in each card. Is that, that's too light for that. Ooh, it ah. And I go, a, I go a five, and she goes, guy, it's really just a Valentine's card. I mean, they, you know, they're, they're, ki they're uh, practically, they're uh, older kids now, and she's like, they can just go get a couple candy bars. It's all about, just putting a five in there, because she was like, Finish packaging all this Valentine stuff like for this younger kids. So she's got all these packages and a package from my mom. So she was like just so done with it. And she's like, they're older now. I'm giving them each a five. I'm trying to sell it, bro, but no matter how I sell it, it's fucking terrible, right? It's that's you can't put a five dollar is it a five dollar bill? Yeah, man. And if Oh my god, man. I'm sorry. What should it have been? I'm five sorry. singles? It, no, that's you don't put that. You don't give a five as a gift. That's something like an old 83-year-old grandma gives because she's got nothing left. Oh, no, dude. I, after I went out, I was like, God, because they're at the age, too. It'll be, especially because, like, especially the older one, she's like, uh, you know, my I was babysitting, and the parents came home, and they saw you on TV, and they knew you, and they're like, why are you watching him? And she's like, that's my uncle. And they're like, that's your uncle? And my sister's like, she's getting so excited because people know you now from the Showtime. Oh, and, and, oh I, and, and Uncle Pete from Showtime gives you a fuck. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's all they're talking about now. It's like they're not even talking about the fact that you're on Showtime. You're like $5 bill guy now at the house. Uh, can I send a, a, a 20 to each of them now and say I, I, I realized it was a 5 and that was <laughs> I can't even do a fucking backwards. <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to do it when you're in person. Just go, come here, kids. I gotta make you make up for something here. I know you got five dollars. You probably, you probably spit on it when it came in. Here's an extra twenty. Go get yourself a nice little cup of coffee or something. So if I send you a birthday card and I think whatever August, I think I don't know, but it, I put a five in there and you open into five falls out. Wouldn't you be a little happier that a five fell out as opposed to just my dumb slug signature saying happy birthday, bro? Uh -huh. 
Nah, if a five flew out of the card, it would be the topic of conversation in my house for the next three and a half weeks. Oh, man. First of all, one quick thing. I'm going to church on Saturday. Jackie's got us going a lot. You used to be an altar boy. I need you a quick take on this. When, when, when we had Sadie christened way back when, uh, we got to the church real early. Long story short, we got a great photo with a priest with Sadie sitting on his lap outside on like a bench early in the day. And I kept saying to Jackie, let's blow this bitch up to a black and white, give it to the priest. And I want to give it to him finally, two and a half years later, this Saturday. And I was thinking about also throwing in, uh, give it a rest, my CD. Oh, wow. And, and well, yeah, just, just, you know, I know he wonders what his parishioners do. Thought he might enjoy it. But there's tons of uh, F-bombs in that particular performance piece. Do you think you could give a priest something that, like, has swearing in it? Uh, yeah, I mean, he's an adult man. I think he could take the, the swearing. My question to you is... Has he ever asked, or does he does he know you're a comedian, or what? I don't understand the. Is he going to book you on a Catholic church tour? What what, what are we looking at? Honestly, oh. this is my thought process, man. I know the guy lives at the church, and he seems lonely. It's cold. It's winter. I don't even know if they give him cable per se. I thought you know, a guy can't fool around with chicks. What is he has limited options? I thought I'd give him a few laughs. I don't know. Oh yeah. Yeah, so it's ridiculous, go, right? He's going to go, oh, fuck, I can't have sex with anybody. Where's Pete's CD? <laughs> hey, man, if you can't have sex, you may as well laugh. I, you know what? You're right. It's uncomfortable. I'll put it I'll put it in a basket. <laughs> Give it as a collect, collection when they come around. There you go. All right, check this out. I know you worked with him as well on Sunday. I worked on, uh, over the weekend, uh, Levity Live, Vlad Kimono. Com very funny comedian. Come on. Come on. <laughs> oh, I, I, <laughs> yeah, Camino. Camino. <laughs> oh, man. I don't even know. Does he just go by Vlad? I feel like that's a stage yeah, name anyway. Think, yeah, no, Vlad is it's just, that's good enough, Vlad. I mean, I think, I mean, I know he's got a sitcom deal too. And I think I, when he showed me the script, I think it just said Vlad. So I think that's, you know, they'll know him by Vlad soon enough, man, if his goes. He's like, he shows me a photo, by the way, he's the sweetest guy in the world, and he shows me a photo of uh, his script, and he's like, look at this, and you know, it says the Vlad Project or something, he's like, I'm so excited, I mean, he's so excited, and I get it, you know, but uh, I already got you doing it, him doing it, and I'm like, yeah, well, somebody get me some pom-poms over here. <laughs> Has anyone else got something going on? <laughs> uh, no, but anyway, I bring him up, funny as hell, sweetheart of a guy. One of the nicest guys I may have ever met in my entire goddamn life, to be honest with you. Um, he gives me... Did you get a gift after you worked with him? <laughs> did I get a gift? He came in with the gift. Bottle of wine, I got. Bottle of wine? Yeah. Wow, what'd you get? I got a book and a card, and it was there when he left, so, like, I just, you know, it wasn't even like he had take this, so it was, like, such a classy move, he was already gone, uh, which I already, I already thanked him, but the book is called The Comedians, and it says The Comedians, and then below it, it says Drunks, Thieves, Scoundrels, and the History of American Comedy. Bro, I can't put this goddamn book down. It's unbelievable. Wow. Is this a new book? Yeah, it's written by this guy named Cliff... Nesterhoff. And you know, in the opening part of the book, he thanks Mark Marin. So I'm sorry, folks, if you listen to Marin's cast and he brought this book up extensively, I don't know, but it seems like Marin may have because he's on the back cover saying it's great. But I mean, it's just, it's all about the history of comedy. And he did all these interviews with all the famous comics. But dude, it starts out with vaudeville and all the shit that would go on in vaudeville. And it's so similar to now. It's and there's just a couple of stories from early on in the book that I have to tell you because they're just so cool, man. All right, what do we got? First of all, widely considered the first stand-up comedian in the way that we know it, where you stand up and you just tell your own jokes that you write, is a guy named Frank Fay, F-A-Y. Just remember that guy right there. He, he worked at the Palace Theater. 
in New York City and he used to MC. He's the first to start the MC. Back in vaudeville days, they would just hold up a card saying Sebastian Maniscalco and you'd walk out. And then this guy would start, he was like, why don't I just go up, warm him up. If the guy's good, I'll bring up the next guy. If the guy does bad, I'll do a few jokes to get him going. And yeah. everyone else would just do hack jokes that were like standard bullshit jokes. Everyone would do the same act. Every, you know, you go any place and they're doing the same jokes. So he started writing his own jokes. And then like, he was so good, like Milton Berle would come on and, and he would say, he would make fun of Milton Berle before he brought him up. Like this next guy, you know, like that Milton Berle's a hack. And the one time Milton Berle's on stage and Milton Berle goes, I'll go battle of wits with you. You want to go battle of wits? And the guy, Frank Faye, looks at him and goes, I would, but I don't fight an unarmed man. Oh, <laughs> who says shit like that? So, yeah, but he was real racist, but uh, so he wasn't well-liked. But he's widely considered the very first stand-up comic in the way we know it. And bro, that's just like we know it today when you get one of those real smart comics emceeing and then another comic does a lot of noises or something and then he'll make fun of them. Like, you're going to go do your noises? Like, that shit never ends. Oh, yeah. it's it's It started probably uh, back in the vaudeville days. Yeah, yeah, it's really, it really did all that stuff, man. Like, uh, there were certain comics that would make their living by selling drugs also as they go town to town. There are comics to this day, they like, you know, more into selling it, you know, it's just yeah. amazing. So, anyway, these I had to share with you. These are a couple of uh, deaths that kind of, the first one I want to share with you is a guy named Rube Dickinson. Now, back in the old days when comedy first started and you play all these vaudeville theaters, you know, they were dumps, their safety wasn't held up to protocol, all sorts of stuff. And they were building them left and right because they were so popular. So this comic, Rube Dickinson, back in 1930s, like early, early, no, early 20s, was playing in Kansas City. And in between his first show and his second show, he went outside to smoke a cigarette. And the sign, it was a new theater, and the big wooden marquee sign came crashing down on his head and killed him. And the marquee sign had his name on it. He died, bitten crushed by a sign with his own name on it, bro. Jeez, good luck that is, huh? <laughs> now check this one out, right? There was a guy named <clears throat> Henry Stone. Now during World War II, there was a lot of comics that went off to fight in the war. So if you were a shitty comic, you could get a lot of work because the good ones were gone. Plus you could get a lot of work performing for troops and they would laugh at anything. So George Burns and all these guys say that there were a lot of comics that were making good money and then when the war ended, they were stunk and they had nowhere to go and they were out of work. And one guy like that was a guy named Henry Stone. And he used to make a lot of money and then the war ended and no one booked him anywhere. And one week he happened to be on a cruise, playing a cruise that goes to the middle of nowhere. He was separated from his wife but not divorced yet. And he died on the cruise boat. And when the crews called his wife to say that he died and should we ship him home and how do you want to pay for it and stuff, she said, well, he always wanted to be buried at sea. So they just threw him over the oh. fucking side of the boat. <laughs> and as the comic says, it tells the story, he goes, and that was the end of Henry Stone. He goes, a Jew from Detroit who's never been in the ocean in his life and they just throw him over the side of a fucking boat. <laughs> do you think the wife... Didn't even want to deal with it and just said, just throw the guy off. The That's thing. exactly what happened, man. They were getting divorced anyway. Why drop the six, seven, whoever knows how much it was to ship them home. Throw them, give them to the fish. Yeah, just wrap them up in a blanket. Do, do them uh, Bin Laden style. Oh, man. And, and here's the last one. This is a little longer. This is an unbelievable story. And then we can ride off to the sunset here. But basically, there was a guy, very popular. His name was Harry Einstein. Uh, but he went by some Greek name, Nick Kalalapistis. I don't know what it was. Anyway, this guy used to sell furniture and do ads on on the radio. Uh, famous comedian noticed his ads, liked them. Long story short, he starts to become popular. Then he starts to play all around the country. He's becoming a real popular comedian. Uh, then he's got a bad back and he goes in just to get a part of his back muscle, uh, bone taken out, just shaved. Everything goes horribly wrong. He can barely walk. He's in a wheelchair. And uh, he can't really do stand-up anymore. So what he would do was at least do roasts because he was really fucking hilarious. And on roasts you could sit down or you can lean against the podium. And he would do all the roasts in New York City. And, uh, you know, he had three boys to raise who so was making money doing roasts. And eventually he got so popular at the roast, like the, what Jeff Ross, I guess, is today. 
yeah. that he goes out to the Beverly Hills Hotel to be a part of this big televised roast with Dean Martin. Uh, uh, basically, the roast, the lineup goes as it goes. It's first, it's Milton Berle who kills. Then Dean Martin goes up and kills more than Berle, they say. And then George Burns goes up and crushes. And then they in, intro Henry Einstein as the Nick whatever and he goes up and he does eight minutes and he destroys the room and they said you can still go to blah 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 and find a clipping of this it was unbelievable the place is going nuts clapping standing O and he comes off and then the MC goes up and goes now somebody tell me why he doesn't have a TV show and then like he literally was going to get a TV show it was like a coming out party 54 years old bam goes back to his table and drops dead oh what a shame Right there in the friar's room at the Beverly Hills Hilton or wherever it was. And you know who his son was? Who? Mel Brooks. Wow. You just used Mel Brooks' real name is Einstein. And you ever remember those old that old guy was so funny, Super Dave Osborne, the stunt? Yeah. He was yeah. his other that was his other son. Bob Einstein was his name. They were his kids. Their dad was his famous comedian, finally gets his big break, and then he drops dead in the room. Mel Brooks and Einstein are brothers? Yeah, Mel Brooks and the guy Super uh, Dave Osborne are brothers. Oh, I didn't know that. Did you? No, this book is fucking awesome. I gotta get I gotta pick up the book after I finish open by Agassiz. Oh my god. <laughs> Jesus. I, I swear I think you're reading the entire encyclopedia. <laughs> oh god, what a story. Good yeah. for Vlad coming through with the gifts, man. Yeah, man. Hope the wine is good. The book is unbelievable. Oh, we had the wine that night, right? Right in the room. Popped it open. Nice Italian. Beautiful. Nice, nice, nice. nice. So, yeah, that's it on my that's end. That's it. That's it. Uh, where are we going this weekend? What do you got? All right. Next weekend, I will be in Royal Oak, Michigan at Mark Ridley's Comedy Club. Uh, then I will be at Hilarities in Cleveland. And just added, big one, very excited about April 14th through 17th, the weekend in April, Caroline's on Broadway in New York City. Wow, there you have it. Middle of New York, Caroline's. Are you staying in the city at that hotel that you stayed at before? Uh, I will look into the Jolly Trolley in. The I Jolly will. Trolley, man. There it, there it is. They did me right once. There's no reason not to go back, man. Yeah, so and go to pcorielli.com. I got all my dates listed. It's really starting to fill up nice. And uh, what about you, man, all over? What do we got? I just want to promote these two shows. Uh, June 2nd. I'm going, for my first time, I'm going to Australia, Melbourne, Australia, at the Comedy Theater there, and then June 4th in Sydney, Australia, at the Enmore Theater. I know we have some fans that listen to the show out in those areas, so I just want to let you know that I'm coming. You can go to SebastianLive.com, pick up your tickets under the tour uh, the tour. Uh, page and uh until then man i'm gonna go to hawaii here a little bit and uh do a corporate gig i'll be back next week um and we'll, we'll hopefully be able to tell the listeners who is slated for uh some of these roles yeah that'll be exciting going to australia very exciting we'll also get an update uh what went to uh, ireland right so, yeah. so so find yeah. out we had an interesting text exchange about that Yes, we did. We will get it to that next show. Just like to thank everybody for commenting. I don't know if you saw, but they were commenting on Valentine's Day on the iTunes page to hopefully raise our awareness there. So we have to thank everybody who's supporting our show Absolutely. on all social platforms. And uh, that's all I got, man. All right. Good hanging, brother. Good hang. Take care. Later. The show has ended. By asking, have you ever fainted? Of course not. Me neither. I've got this because we're cool, bro. <laughs> <laughs>